Hello everyone and welcome back to Politics um, Relaxed Podcast. And before we begin this episode, I just remind you that next week our Sarah Olney interview is coming out. We've also got a little teaser in this episode as well. Uh, so make sure you start on this. I'm going to start on this issue of patriotism. It's come up three times in diff- completely different news articles this week. We saw um, Labour, um, a leaked um, document saying that Labour are going to dress smarter, um, cover themselves in Union Jacks and... Um, be more patriotic was a leaked report from Labour to try and appeal to the Red Wall and and veterans. That was it. Um, and then we also had somebody tweeting about butter, which had a Union Jack flag on. Um, and Twitter, right wing Twitter, went absolutely crazy um, for this woman saying she didn't want a UKIP advert in her fridge. It was a um, it was a butter with a Union Jack on, completely unrelated. And then Jacob Rees-Mogg today wore a Union Jack mask in Twitter and then left uh, in Parliament. And left-wing Twitter then went off at him. Um, so we've had a lot of this talk around patriotism. But before we like open up to the panel, I want to start. Um, earlier today, we took we spoke to Sarah Olney, and I want to I asked her if she was a patriot, and uh, let's hear her response. Would you call yourself? I absolutely would. And honestly, there isn't a politician who isn't. You know what what motivates us to get into politics is that we are proud of where we live we like where we live we like being uh you know um uh, you know a citizen of this country but we're not blind to its faults and it's kind of like we see how it can be improved we see how this can be a great country but these are the things we think need to happen to really make the most of what's great about this country that is sarah only speaking to us earlier um when i asked her if she was a patriot so now i want to open it up to the floor we've got loads of people here so i want to give as much time for everybody um, so, Daniel, do you want to start? Well, I think that most people are very proud of the UK. I think that we live in a great country and um, and I think there's obviously ways we must improve, you know, uh, the, the country. But I think that uh, having a Union Jack behind your Zoom call or, or interview is just ridiculous. It's pandering to racists and, and UKIP supporters, in, in all honesty. And um, I, it's, it's, it's just not going to help anybody, really. Uh, you know, having a Union Jack is not going to show someone that you care about your country any, like like any more than any other people it's just yeah. going to say that you're trying to you know say to UKIP supporters or more right-wing people that you know you care about them when it's it just does absolutely nothing to help anyone really yeah definitely jose yeah right so firstly let me just point something out uh through my name i think you can understand i'm actually from the uk but i just want to point out I was born in the UK and I'm very proud to be British. I think the UK has given me and my parents a lot of stuff that their former countries somewhat failed to give them, which is mainly opportunity. I think you can have whatever mask you want. You can do whatever you want. I think the fact that Daniel just said that, the, that he, they have Union Jack flag in the background appeals to the extreme right and right-wing people just blows my mind. The fact that he has a flag, you can just do whatever you want. It's a free country. You can have it. I don't think, I think, Comparing the Union Jack as a race, putting the Union Jack there as a right wing racist, I'm not saying you say it was racist, but somewhat racist thing is the, is the stupidest thing alive. In my house, I have flags, Portugal, I have a Greek and Portuguese flags, and I'm proud to have them. And I have it, and I, I would have a Union Jack one as well. But you can have whatever you want. You can have something, you can have a flag with a Union Jack with a cross through it. I don't care. I'm just saying the fact that he had it is not a racist symbol, it just proves that he may be proud of his country. I think to put to okay. compare it to racist, but to something that's racist is just completely unfair. I'm I don't think the flag is racist in itself, but I think it's been hijacked by racists. That's why I think a lot of people are wary to use it. People like the EDL 
and um, Tommy Robinson and Nigel Farage have hijacked this flag to be like um, anti, like foreigner anti-immigrant. And that's what it represents to me now. Um, it's, I don't have a problem with the flag. Like maybe I actually agree with you on that point. 10, too 10, 20, 10, 20 years ago, I would not have a problem with waving the Union Jack flag. I probably still wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. Now, after it's been hijacked by Brexit, by um, right-wing nationalists, that's what, that's what is a bit uneasy with me, and I think that's why people um, the, would call yeah, it... But, uh, but you're you're overstate you're overstating the presence of the BNP and EDL in 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 Britain as a whole. Like neither group has ever had an MP, and they have tiny tiny representation in local government. Um, and okay, sure. That, Brexit, that, that, Brexit and Nigel Farage are a lot different, the and they are still right. It's still predominantly. Yes, in 2015 maybe, but it's 2021, and 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 Nigel Farage is well leading what is it called like reform party now and that's okay so but he still he was still the figurehead him and boris johnson were figureheads to brexit and boris johnson has said some racist things in the past i'm not going to call him a racist because i'll bring up a whole new debate but he he that relevance does that have to the argument was started by fear of immigrants that was a lot of what this the brexit movement was based on if you look at some of the pictures on the on the um leave uk um on the leave um website some of them like people ducking under like barbed wire like who are who are obviously not from the uk and that's to me what it represents i i it's not a racist flag but i think it's a complicated flag for me, it doesn't re it doesn't represent that. It represents the UK and the success the UK has had in the world and everything it stands for. I think I agree with you. It has been hijacked the by all these right wing. The success the UK has had in the world. World War Two, World War Two success. When I think yeah, I, of the Union Jack, no, 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 I, I tend agree. to think of the World War Two success and, well, and World I, War One. I, I see the like Union Jack flag. I think of Nigel Farage and I think of the EDR. I want to. Um, I don't think of that. I think of World okay. War Two success and stuff like that. Okay, I'm gonna move it on. I'm gonna move it on. Um, let's uh, go. I want to go to um, Cameron. I saw you rolling my, your eyes at me when uh, I said that uh, Brexit was a racist. But I want to. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you, I absolutely am. Uh, the reason I was rolling my eyes there is just I just feel like you never learn, do you? The people voted for Brexit. Yeah. Okay, we're four years old. So? It's done. Stop so? talking about it, please. It's doing my head in. Let me talk about the flag and let me talk about patriotism for a second. I do not see the flag in the same light as you. I definitely don't. I see the flag and I think of everything in Britain's history, all of Britain's culture wrapped up in one image. That's what I see. All of history's negatives, some of the things we did as an empire, some of the horrific things we did, so many of the positives that we've brought to the world and to ourselves and our own British people, the whole journey that our country has been on, the union, this is all wrapped up in this flag. And I'm proud of that flag because I'm proud of this country. I'm proud of our history and I'm proud of our culture. That's what makes me, that's what makes me a patriot, okay? And yes, I can actually, like Jose, I can accept your point that recently it has been somewhat hijacked by far-right people, frankly, but it's also been used, if you look, by, for example, by the Conservatives, when they were centre-right, with David Cameron at the helm, the uh, Conservative logo was coloured in Union Jack colours, for example. Labour have used the Union Jack on a number of occasions. It's used across the political spectrum, 
okay and I think that's positive now talking about Labour and it's been very clear for me from the beginning of Keir Starmer's premiership that Labour have been wanting to move towards a more patriotic edge because they've realised that the people of Britain are actually proud of their culture and they're proud of their country and I think that's an important step forward and I think it's a really good thing actually that Labour have realised that and they're moving in that direction because at the end of the day we spend a lot of time um, in this country seeming to fight over whether we are actually a good country with a, with a good history and a good culture and so many people up and down this country, especially young people, seem to lean in the direction of thinking that our country is responsible for every evil in the world. And I don't accept that. I think that, you know, we have been, we have a history and that contains negatives and positives. We've got to accept that, but we've got to be proud of the country that we live in at the present. And I believe that that is a good place. Sure, but I think, um, I think when you talk about, when you bring on the point about Labour, I think Labour have to be attracting the young vote um, and also the vote of people who um, like weren't born in this country as well. And that put a lot of this flag puts um, pe like people who've come from different country, like um, migrants, um, immigrants, and that puts that puts them off Labour, I think, seeing that flag, because that flag to a lot of people represents hate and it represents division, I think. Um, Rajan, I'll go to you. Yeah, so for me, like uh, what I was going to mention, I was going to mention exactly what Cameron said before. You know, the flag, it's showed up in Conservative Party, in the Conservative Party logo. Labour's used it a few times. It's just a national icon, in my, in my opinion. And whoever wants to use it can use it. It's not that, it's not that big of a deal, in my own opinion. I mean, you will have people that will overreact, such as I saw the one about the butter, the Union Jack on the butter, and that was absolutely ridiculous. Claiming to have, I don't want UKIP in my fridge. I was, that was absolute scenes. But you know, it's our flag, and it's our, it's it's just our flag. You yeah. know, I don't think it's got such big meaning behind it. Yes, you'll have some people claiming it's high, it's to hijack it, but everyone uses our flag because. Ultimately, the people from the EDL and BNP, they're British as well. So, you know, they could use it if they'd like. And but, it's but just universal. Me, to me, the flag is yeah. like, I don't think you can distill it down to something that simple as just anybody can use it. And it represents like British people because the British history is very complicated, entwined with racism, colonialism, slavery, and even more recently, the British National Party and the EDL. It's a lot more complicated than just, oh, this represents um, like our, our culture and our movement. Um, I'm gonna move on now because uh, I wanna talk, um, yes, we're going back onto like COVID. Um, I know it's gonna be a bit depressing, but we have got vaccine talk later, which is all gonna be very exciting. But first I wanna talk about mental health during this um, like lockdown, because I think this Tory government and their their COVID response has led to the pe like people's mental health going down because we've been in lockdown more than we've been able to go outside. We could have co combated this virus a lot quicker, and then we could have um, and then we would have been in lockdown a lot, lot less. Um, I want to start with Tommy. I agree that there should have been circuit breakers earlier in November when they were first proposed. I think it's good that we're in a lockdown, but I think it's very unfair of you to pin it on the government for the mental health going down because of the lockdown, since we were the ones that were advocating for the lockdown. And 
no, we can't have everything, I guess. And people, there are there are societies, there are, um, there are communities, there are companies that are reaching out to people. They're offering help, they're offering support. Communities doing enough. The governments, I don't think it's really for them to to to, to help mental health. Their their, their job is to protect the people, to serve other people. Yeah, I want to go to Cameron because I'm sure he's going to um, refute my point that I made at the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like Tommy, I don't think it's fair for you to really pin it on the government. That uh, Obviously, I have actually been a pretty strong advocate um, over the last year um, in talking about mental health among all people and especially young people. Because I, I feel as though it was always obvious that mental health was going to seriously deteriorate um, during lockdown and if I want to talk about the government for a second I think um, what we've seen this week is uh, a proper recognition of the struggles that people are going through at the moment um, and what I'm talking about actually of course is the appointment of Dr uh, Alex George uh, as the government's mental health ambassador I think it's an excellent appointment uh, I've been following him for, for some time um, and I think it's a a really important time now that the governments across the world and here in the UK the government uh, starts to take mental health really seriously because this is the time when it is at its worst and and I think it really is a serious issue I'm glad to see as I said this appointment I think it I think it shows the government are taking it seriously yeah, of course. But um, my point at the beginning on the um, Tories was more that we could have driven these cases down to very, very low to maybe like um, maybe in the hundreds, maybe in the, even in the tens. Um, and I think we would have done a lot better. Um, I've got to start it. I've got um, some figures here. Um, 45.6 percent of NHS mental health trusts reported a deficit. Um, but I think that's in 20. That was in 2015. And I think it's got worse over time. My kind of hearing from it i think there needs to be more funding jose correct me if i'm wrong but tommy said earlier on that the government's role is to help and protect the people surely by helping them through people are having a lot of struggles with mental health right surely the government's role is to help and protect the people as you mentioned surely mental health is one of those things they should be helping and protecting them with just want to want to put that out there because you know we're talking about this but it is a role of theirs that they need to be taking seriously, which I don't think they are. Yeah, Tommy, do you want to respond? Yeah, yeah but I think with the governments, they've got a, a very, they've got puzzle pieces here, and it's a puzzle that won't work any way that you put it together. They've got to juggle mental health, they've got to juggle the pandemic, they've got to juggle the vaccine rollout. And I think two go together, but you can't have everything. I understand they can't go they can't go all together, but I I I think the government still do need to be putting more more effort into this. I agree with Felix, extra funding needs to go to this because I rarely agree with Felix, but you know, more funding does need to go towards this to help to help people with mental health struggles. In fact, my mum had a colleague whose grandma died during the pandemic and he seemed extremely sad and down. And she knew that at some point he was having a lot of struggles with mental health and he had no one to talk to at the time, which is why the government, and I feel, I'm not blaming the government, but I think the government should have been there to try help him as it's their role to go and help the people. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I just can't agree with Tommy's point there because 
It's not like the government is juggling loads of things. Sure, maybe Boris Johnson is juggling loads of things, but the government can appoint people to focus specifically on mental health and what they can do better with that. So I don't accept the point that um, the government like have too many things on their plate because the government should never have too many things on their plate. They should be like divvying up responsibility and giving it so enough people have enough things to focus on. Um, God, they're you don't want the government to be busy. No, I do want the government. I do want the government to be busy, but I also don't want the the government to be overwhelmed. That's what I'm trying to say. They they won't be though. That's why I agree. There should be some funding into this, but the moment's the main priority is saving lives, so then we can get back to that normal and helping these people. Okay, um, I'll move on to Rajan. You can go now. So uh, I think obviously, you know, appointing a mental health ambassador is a brilliant move, brilliant move. Uh, what exactly uh, does his job entail? Does anyone have an idea about well, what he's gonna do moving forward? Well, his job will basically be to fund the campaigns. Obviously, I, mean, I wanna slightly just touch on Felix's point. Um, he has been appointed as an ambassador, not an advisor. I've no doubt that there are teams in the um, Department for Health and Social Care, as well as probably in, in the Prime Minister's personal teams who are also advisors on mental health specifically but what they need is that figurehead to spearhead a campaign um, to to try and kind of lift people up in in times like these and to uh, improve people's mental health that's pretty much his job. Thank you thank you Cameron and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about is because that's exactly what we need we don't need I don't think mental health services is as a system that's feasible right now considering everything else yes it is possible it is possible but i think for me personally the best thing that we can do right now is rally up our people and educate our people on mental health educate people to say what to do if you can see a mate who's in trouble making sure to check up on your friends your family you know those people in your contacts yesterday i had a tweet from uh, a mate at brentford uh, he put it onto his main, um, his main Twitter feed, and he was really going through some trouble sometimes. And I didn't know what to do. I was actually quite lost because I was like, "How do I respond to that? Someone who's possibly feeling like suicidal." And then obviously, I went up to the internet and tried to find some advice on how to do it. And I had to resp- um, and I responded. But I think what we have, like Alex George, and what I hope he's going to do, you know, more tips, more education to the public, you know. And that collectively, because the government's not going to do it, like my like Marcus Rashford with free school meals, the government's not going to do it. We have to rely on our people to do it, and we have to rely on the promise of our brilliant nation and our brilliant people to uplift everyone together. And that is what the Union Jack represents. Um, I know what Cameron would say to this, so I'm going to say it instead. Um, very blue sky um, politics, very much like flashy words and not that much action but it is the government as well who've appointed um dr alex george um as the advisor so the government is going to do it on this one i'm defending the government um lily yeah i was just going to go back to the point where you said like the government has like a lot on their plate i think and then you're saying like oh mental health should be like really important i think for us because it's a uh, like an issue that really like directly correlates to us because we're young people and it's like talking about youth mental health I think that 
is at the forefront of our mind. So like it's an issue that concerns us. So that's why it's kind of hard to see from different perspectives. And also I think one thing that Dr. Alex George was saying on his Instagram was um, he's going to like, um, what's it called? Um, introduce like mental health training programs into schools, which I think is imperative to like improve youth mental health because I know for me, I struggle with my mental health sometimes and my friends do a lot. And I think just at school, we have counselors, we have things like this, but a lot of other schools don't have access to those kind of things. And I think they're also choosing to fund some more counselors because that's really important. But then also like education within mental health and like teachers having these specialist training programs because I go to like a wealthy like private school in, in West London. My teachers have this kind of training, maybe not as much as actually I would like because I feel sometimes it is lacking but even for me it's lacking so I can imagine what it's like in state schools and things like that so I really think there should be like more because if you're going to actually like delegate these jobs and say oh actually the government does have too much on its plate you need to pass it to the next thing that's most important so like um, school and like education institutions and like focus on that. Yeah, and there's this really worrying trend from like everybody have kind of picked up on it on the panel. Everybody knows somebody who's like been through struggles or themselves have uh, been through struggle. It's a, it's a lot of people who have like been through this and especially from the younger generations. So there is a re there is going to be, I think in the next, our, our generation, the generation above are gonna really struggle with their mental health, especially because of COVID. I think Lily again makes a really good um, point there about education and um, we need to um, talk ab about it with our teachers with our with the, with their students and everybody around education has to have adequate adequate training so yeah you make a really good um, point there um, I'm gonna leave a few links um, down below for some advice and numbers to call if you're feeling like down or your mental health um, is in trouble so I'll leave them below um, but I'm gonna move on now I'm going to move on to vaccinations, um, especially in Europe, because there's been this big debate this week about vaccinations in Europe. But um, um, now we have the vaccine, what point do we have to start unlocking? Uh, Tommy. Oh, right. Um, well, I think when we get uh, a, g a good amount of people on both doses, I think our priority should be getting elderly people, as, as many as we can, first getting both doses to, to help them gain the immunity. But something I'm seeing is I had to go into hospital earlier today um, for an appointment and I drove past two medical centres, uh, three vaccination centres, and all of them were empty both ways. I'm not sure if that's just because of people that, that just didn't turn up for their appointments, which I doubt, or that they're not getting enough people on the, the scheme. I understand it's very hard to regulate. Um, and the government did a really great job of getting the first dose out, but now we have to get that second dose as quickly as possible if we want to start unlocking. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, but I think on the vaccinations point, seeing them empty, from my like, from what I've heard and what I've seen, um, the reports seem to be very good, and it's how how efficient it is. So I I don't know um what that could have been, but I'm not sure like it's due to the vaccine um rollout. Um, but Jose, do you wanna go? Well, I just want to point out, I know pretty much all of us disagree with Brexit, but this has been a Brexit success. I just want to say so far, it's been a success of Brexit that we didn't have to follow the EU. We were allowed to go on our own. I think the Pfizer CEO said that 
when the EU complained that they should give that UK should give some of their vaccines over, he said no. The UK were clever. They ordered very quickly, and and they got it and they got it over. However, I just want to point out a stat from Quick Take Bloomberg, and said that it will, we will return to life, normal life will return in seven point four years at today's vaccine rates. Now, obviously, I don't think that will be how it is. But I saw another statistic somewhere else, I forgot the source, that said we international travel may not go back to normal for another three years. So we can open, which I don't, I don't believe completely, at least how we're vaccinating in the UK so far. If we vaccinate people, all people above 40, coronavirus deaths will be going down much more. But I still do think that opening stuff up, we need to wait till maybe March. If you look at it over the summer, there were barely any corona. Well, there were coronavirus cases, but there weren't that many coronavirus cases and deaths. As soon as school opened, it skyrocketed again. So I think that's a bit misleading. The statistics they gave us for the um, originally for why cases were so high, and I think that will happen again. But we need to take it with a pinch of salt this time to realise that more people have been vaccinated, so they're safer from it. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm. Uh, very uh, disappointed to agree with this, but yeah, you're right. It has been a Brexit success. I suspect one of the only Brexit success successes we're going to get, um, but it is a Brexit success nonetheless. Um, Cameron, you don't yes, a hundred percent. It's um, so yeah. The vaccine uh, has been a big Brexit success. There's no doubt. I don't accept the point. I'm just going to say one sentence quickly um, that it's the only Brexit success. We've seen that all dairy milk is going to be uh, manufactured in the UK from now on, which I think is a big success, as well as um, how, how Nissan. Sorry, as well as Nissan not, manufacturing their new cars. So can I, if I get back onto the vaccine point for a second, because I know what you're saying, just let me. When we started vaccinating, we haven't left by then. Do I look dumb to you? Do you? Do I look like I don't know that? Can I finish? Thank you. Yes, I know that we could have opted out of it um, back in uh, last year. Anyway, the point that I'm making. Um, yes. So on the EU, uh, what we saw last week um, from them. I mean, trying to think, even thinking of triggering Article 16 to 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 construct a hard border for anything on the island of Ireland, absolutely shocking, shocking, um, really, I mean, it just showed a total lack of care for the sensitivity of the Irish situation, and also the fact that they didn't even tell the Irish Taoiseach, um, appalling, uh, but here in the UK, um, I believe that our vaccine scheme is coming on, I just want to mention one thing I've just seen pop up on my phone, that says um, all uh, over 15s will be vaccinated in the UK, uh, by May, it's breaking news uh, from nine minutes ago, so I'm your source for that. Um, all adults aged 50 and over will be offered the coronavirus vaccine by May. Now that's big, and I think that in May, we should be really, really, really seriously thinking about getting back to normal. Because at that point, I mean, we know that the people who um, are dying, uh, they're ma mainly in these top four category categories in the first place. Um, and then, of course, when you've got all these over 50s vaccinated, it's only the young people who are vulnerable who yeah. will also have been vaccinated because they're in higher categories. I think that's important, and yeah. I think we're making good progress. Okay, but um, I want to ask you a question now, just um, on that. How, what is the case? Is it cases or deaths you want to go on for when we start unlocking 
and at what point does that happen? Because for me, it has to be a good test and trace system has to be in place. That is the number one thing that needs to happen before we start unlocking, because we need a good test and trace system so that new variants can't get into this country. And if they do, we can track them properly. And the more cases we have, the more of a chance there is for the next mutant variant, I think. Uh, yeah, when do you think is the right time? Count? Yes, so there are so many factors that have to be taken into play here to make sure that we're reopening at a safe time. And as I say, the, the progress of the vaccination scheme is one of them. If you're going just based off the vaccination scheme, then that kind of May, May month seems like a reasonable time to be um, seriously unlocking. If you're going to take into account the other factors such as cases, I personally don't think that cases or the infection rate are as important as the as deaths um, and and the most important two factors besides the vaccination scheme progress are actually the death rate and the hospitalization rate but we don't want our hospitals to be overwhelmed and we don't to die and so long as those two things have been mitigated then at that point we can continue to unlock okay but what about when the next variant comes along because we've got too many cases and all these cases are spreading and then it's gonna um like mutate again what happens after that because we we lock we unlock too well early. i think to be honest i'm not a scientist and i think the government just had to listen to the scientists on the, on that one um because at the end of the day we're talking about reasonable people that have an understanding of how all this yeah yeah um all right um god where stop spamming everyone uh daniel well i'd firstly like to point out that uh this the the, the vaccination effort is not because of brexit we were still in the single market we were still effectively in the EU when we started our vaccination programme. We could have still done all of this inside of the EU. So just, just pointing it out, okay? Um, second of all, um, we're, no, but, well, that was my point, to be honest, so, but but it wasn't because we were out of the e EU. Oh, no, the, the, the point is is that we've got the success um, against the EU in the, in, in the vaccine custody. Yes, but we, would, but we would have still had the success if we were still in the EU. Well, yeah, because we because then the the argument would never have existed in the first place. Okay, um, I want to talk about the uh, quarantine hotels, um, because um, um, so these quarantine hotels. So in the last um, few weeks, uh, the government have been talking about this idea of uh, quarantining people in hotels from red uh, list areas. But I personally don't think it's it's gone far enough. But I want to open up the floor. Um, I'll start with Piers, um, just to like set us off, really. Well, I think it's important to note out that the government does not own this, these hotels. They have no right, rights um, at all to force these hotels to comply with with uh, the government uh, making them take in, uh, well, people who are coming into the UK. And also the hotels are, well, any hotels, because it, well, um, it's only hotels that are by an airport or a seaport. Um, those hotels will be running on a skeleton staff at the moment, and uh, they logistically can't afford to um, maintain their full staff, despite having um, uh, quite a lot of uh, guests from uh, coming into the UK. So, um, so, so it's quite a, a logistical challenge uh, managing these hotels, and saying it doesn't go far enough is quite. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> You're saying it's not it's not going far enough when it's already gone too far in terms of how 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 it how in in terms of how it can be handled how it can be handled effectively. In what in what sense? 
Well, I mean, the the hotels um, don't have um, don't have the ability to host these um, these coming into the UK um, whilst still uh, whilst it's still making economic sense. And um, uh, because, as I said before, they're they're running on very very low staff. Most of their staff is still on furlough, so they still have to pay them as well and the costs that these visitors will incur is is just not worth it for a lot of these hotels well yeah and and it's it's difficult for because the visitors won't want to pay because they're being forced into these hotels which means um that either they don't pay because i mean if they don't pay what are they what's the government going to do uh the the they they, they, what's the government going to do if they don't pay and and it eventually the government will just end up paying the hotels okay no but that's just not true because if they don't want to pay they won't come to the uk which in the end is a positive thing because we don't want people bringing in cases first of all i think the board the border security has been completely lax throughout this covid pandemic we should have proper we should be getting like pieces of paper from the travelers with why they've traveled to any travel any country they've traveled to within the last two weeks um and I, I don't accept the fact that there's not enough hotels because we've only been asking hotels that be near airports. So there's only a fraction of hotels in the UK and we've only given them um, like what? 24 hours to respond. To no, the- but when you've been, people who have flown in the last year have been asked which countries they have come, um, they have come from or, or gone from. They've asked if they've um, had any, any uh, relation to like China and the Wuhan province. They've, they've been asked if they have any um, relation to um, Italy, and I'm sure there's um, any uh, there's like nowadays any relation to what, South Africa and uh, Brazil. So I'm I'm but, not I'm. But reports from the ground have said that that's just not happening, and um, they're not checking anything. I've I've been listening to the radio for the last few days, and every single person who's come in or out of the UK has said it's completely lax compared to the rest of Europe, uh, and places like New Zealand, Australia, um, Korea, and all places like that. And people have been saying that our security is completely lax on this uh, COVID nineteen. Yes, but, the, but 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 the UK is uh, is like the and London is like literally one of the large, probably the largest international hub in the world, and it it, it doesn't it, it it doesn't make sense that to compare London to Auckland or like I, I, I was or, or Canberra. Compared to Europe, it like there are lots of um, places in Europe with a uh, hubs yeah i just want to move on because we've spoken about this for um quite a while now so i want to give other people a chance um to speak um yeah lily i was just gonna say that um when people are like coming into the uk if they're quarantining in their houses or like in i don't know where else you quarantine but on off their own accord you can't like 100% like enforce that like obviously you can with like threat of like legal action and everything but when if you're at least if you're in a hotel you can like contain it and you can ensure that it's only going to be in that like designated area I don't know like I don't know if I'm simplifying it too much but if like you're yeah. in the hotel at least that's only where like you could potentially spread it but my response to that would be in Korea They've um, tracked people's uh, phones and their bank cards to make sure they're not um, going outside their houses. Uh, yeah, been... but Felix, we don't live in North Korea. We don't live no, 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 in that kind of society. No, 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 no. If the government tracked our South phones, Korea, would that work? No. 
No, you can't. Trap people's phones. Our society would not allow that. To trap people's phones and to give them two, they've given them two calls in this two-week period. They've also sent one visit round to make sure that they're um they're quarantining and and they've checked their. Yeah, Felix, you're getting right. a text message is fine, but then like it's not like the, we have a different like society to North or South Korea. Like it's not going to be deemed as widely acceptable for someone to like for the government to be like tracking your phones like i understand they can like send you a text message in something but it's not going to be like the same sort of like we don't have the same sort of societal contract where that's like sort of something that you could do it's kind of hard to explain because it's sort of indescribable quality but that's kind of what i'm saying all right well maybe yeah, felix you're advocating for big brother policies right now no no i'm not i'm just i'm th- i'm throwing out suggestions i i'm throwing out suggestions and um like making sure that i'm keeping people like held accountable i i'm not I never advocated for that. I just said that's what's happening in South Korea. Okay, I I'm not necessarily advocating um, for the pol- for like tracking people's phones and um, tracking people's bank cards. But I was just um, like trying to create discussion. I'm very sorry for advocating Big Brother policies. I'll try not to do it in the future. Um, oh yeah, Jose. Sorry, firstly, I just want to point out: was that a bit of a you know authoritarian side coming out from you? Felix. It wasn't. I, can tell, I, I, can tell. I, said, I cleared that up very. I was very clear about that. I'm not necessarily advocating for tracking people's bank cards and tracking their phones. I was merely just responding to that point and saying that's what they do in South Korea. I I do not think that we should be tracking people's phones or their bank cards, but I do think we should be calling people twice. I think we should send them text messages probably daily, and I think we should send um, a police officer or um, yeah yeah that means tracking people's phones. No, 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 it doesn't. It means sending people a text message. It, it's not tracking people's phones. It's sending them a What text good message. would that do? Wait, let me just say my point quickly. Let me just say my point quickly. Right. Felix, I saw, uh, earlier on, you mentioned about how Australia has the hotels quarantining thing. In 2019, approximately 9.4 million tourists visited Australia from overseas, compared to UK's 40.86 million. How are you going to be able to compensate that? I'm sorry, but you care so many more travellers than other countries which use this hotel system that I, they won't have enough help, hotels or resources to keep all people like this. I think you have to find a way to keep some people exempt from this. I don't know how you're going to do that. I'm just putting it out there that it's going to be impossible to impose. In a small country, not small by landmass, but by population, a small country like Australia, you could argue yeah. that it would work. But in the UK, I definitely don't think it would work properly. Yeah, it could my, work, but it wouldn't work for everyone. Yeah, my response to that is though, in in Australia, um, in Australia, they've been keeping like Australians from getting back into the country. Again, I'm not, I am not advocating for stopping people, every single person, to come into the country. I'm making that very clear. Okay, okay. Should we put cameras in people's bedrooms as well now? No, I. Oh my, I am not authoritarian, and I don't believe we should track the old bank cards once again. Um, uh, Daniel. Well, I'm a liberal myself. I personally believe in individual freedom, but I think extraordinary times call for extraordinary uh, measures. And I think that either keeping people in hotels or or, or tracking people uh, in their homes. So, I mean, not not having a camera, in, you know, out, outside of their home, but maybe you know, sending a police officer daily to their home and um, you know, tracking their phone is a really important thing that we must do to stop the spread and keep people safe. Uh, I mean, obviously this would be ridiculous uh, if, if, if there wasn't a deadly pandemic going around, but I think when we have 100,000 people die, uh, 
I think that I I think extraordinary measures must be taken to stop the spread. Yeah. Um. Would you advocate for putting people putting bracelets on people to track their movements? Because I heard one caller on LBC um advocating for that. So Daniel, would you advocate for putting a uh, tracking bracelets on people? Maybe if they broke the rules. Uh. You know. Maybe if they went to- <laughs> so. <laughs> So maybe if they were quarantining for two weeks... What would... liberal side are you talking about? This is, the, this is not liberal. <laughs> you but normally, I would obviously say that that's an absolutely ridiculous time. But if you had lost a family member, you'd be doing everything you can to try and stop other people's family members from dying. And I think it's more important to stop people from leaving their home than having people dying. And I, I, I think it, if, if somebody's already broken the rules, it's something you must do. You, you guys better absolutely kill him for that because I was you you told me off pretty badly for just bringing up tracking people's photos so he better be killed for for that. To be fair, well, thirty seconds bad. before he said I'm a massive Look. liberal and I advocate for people's freedom and then said about yeah. putting a, ba- a bracelet. Yeah, um, I just want to finish here because Daniel's put um, something in the comments. Um, he's just said um, his cousin lives in China and she broke the rules and they put a camera outside her home. Um, would anybody on the panel advocate for this? If someone has already broken the rules and they do it a second time, yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow. What? What? The problem with having a camera outside your home, and especially with bracelets as well, how are you gonna how are you gonna do it for every single person? Like the costs of that are m- mental. For every person that broke the rule. How many people have broken? No, 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 no. So, so, so people coming into this country then breaking the two-week quarantine rule. I, would, I, I, I don't, I don't. Why, why would you? Why? But I feel a fine, right? I feel a fine. I know this is going to sound a bit stupid, but I think, I think when I came back from holidays, they they didn't they didn't tell me anything. I didn't go out. I didn't go out of the house parts go to the supermarket once with my dad because they allow that. They allowed that. I just, they didn't really do anything to keep you at home. They never called us. They never texted us. They never did anything. I think they sh- the government should find a way to at least call you surprising time of the day just to check on you at least once. But I, I, I can't believe Daniel just said we should put cameras outside people's houses. It, it escapes me how, how, how we do Only if they've that. already how... broken the rules, all right? Only if they but do. You, but, but sure, but sure, but my Only sister's friend got, had, but my sister's friend got given a massive fine when they when they discovered that the family were breaking the rules, I don't, I think that's enough of an incentive for them to think actually let's not do it again. I, th- I think putting a camera outside s- someone's home is something that you know the UK advocates very much against. Considering the fact, sorry if you can hear my dad, considering in the, the fact we advocate for freedom. I'm just, I just want to jump in. I just want to jump in here because how are we going to even know that people have broken the rules with our such lack security? Like most people haven't been checked up on, even called by the police once. How are we going to know that these people have broken the rules? Let alone putting a camera outside their house. Um, I want to finish um with a quote um from a um a Zoom meeting uh from uh from a council um member. Um, I want to finish with read the standing. It's not handful, is it? and understand them. Uh, so that's what I'm going to finish off on today. Uh, thank you very much to everyone uh, for coming. And uh, we won't see you next week because Sarah only interview is coming out.